Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. <laughs> Hello, obsessives. Hello, Heidi. Hi, Becky. Hi, obsessives. How are you? Look, Becky, I'm feeling a bit smug. A bit smug? I'm feeling smug. Okay, why are you smug? Because last week you gave me a really hard time. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't need to discuss this, Heidi. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Some things we keep private. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I did give you a hard time. Like last week you gave me a hard time about watching 90 Day Fiance. I did. I did. Yeah. And what did you do? Pardon? We're we're breaking up, Heidi. I can't quite hear you, Heidi. I I think we need to end the episode now. I don't think we are. It sounds pretty good to me. I watched the Kardashians (laughs) (laughs) all morning today. I could have been cleaning my house, going for a lovely long walk, you know, changing my life, learning a language. But I binge-watched the Kardashians' first episode, first um, series. Sad. That's really sad. It is really sad. But I do believe I reached out for you to you for help. Yeah. (laughs) Saying Heidi, I'm in this hole. You should should know me better. Yeah, I know. You should know that I'm gonna take it and turn it against you. Because that's the kind of person you're mean. You're mean. I know. Now I have no power over mocking you with 90 day fiance. No, you don't. Although, you know, there is a theory Mm. that these kinds of reality TV shows are distractions and they're distracting us (laughs) from all the big things in the world and kind of turning us into kind of zombies in a way. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. I I think, I don't know about you, I didn't get to see you while you were watching 90 Day Fiancé, but while I was watching the Kardashians, I was very zombie-like. Yes, yes. And by zombie-like, how would you describe that feeling? Zombie. Not of this earth, not quite connected and quite brain dead. Uh-huh. Well, that's really interesting, mm. Becky, because guess what we're talking about? No, today? are we talking about zombies? We could be. We just could be. How smooth are our segues here, Heidi? You know. Oh, look, just, we're getting better. We're so That's smooth. So smooth. So this is how it started. Uh. I was perusing Instagram, and there's this medical historian, Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris, and she always has these really interesting snippets of info on her page. You should follow her. She's really, really good. Anyway, there was a post she'd made about this extremely rare medical condition that I'd never heard of. And, of course, being me, (laughs) I had to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and drag me with you, yeah. Yes, 
And when I came out of the rabbit hole, I found that I'd accrued all this knowledge about zombies. Useful. Yes. Now, as you know, I love horror movies. I love monsters. But zombies were always my least favourite of the horror tropes. You know, I found them a bit slapstick and they got really trendy a few years back. You know, everything was about the zombie apocalypse and the zombie walk and, you know, it was everything was zombie. Um, but I realised that there's so much more to the idea of zombies than what we see now in popular culture. So a zombie as we know it today is a reanimated corpse, generally with the need to eat the flesh and brains of the living. But the zombie was not always a cinematic trope. Mm. And in fact, the origins are pretty heartbreaking. They actually are. So the idea of the zombie first arose in the 17th and 18th centuries in Haiti. During this time, Haiti was under French rule and known as Saint Domingo. This was a cruel place for the slaves who had been forcibly taken from Africa to toil in the plantations, and it wasn't uncommon for them to die of exhaustion and mistreatment. Unsurprisingly, there were extremely high rates of depression and suicide amongst the slave population, and it was out of the wounds of colonisation that a new spiritual belief was born. When a slave died, they would return to their old life in Africa. However, if they were to commit suicide, their spirit would be trapped to wander in the plantations in an eternal living death. After the successful Haitian Revolution, Haiti's sovereignty was declared in 1804 and it became the first country to abolish slavery. The idea of the undead was then blended into the voodoo religion, evolving into the idea that a corpse could be reanimated and controlled by a priest or a shaman. The zombie was one of the deep scars left by colonialism, a lingering reminder that freedom could be stolen and that people could be turned into powerless objects. The Hollywood zombie films and novels of today have all but completely erased the horrifically sad Haitian origins, but very first portrayals of zombies in popular entertainment revealed distinct fears of the West, that their imperialism and a sense of superiority could be overthrown. So we'll go back to zombie movies and books and what they represent a little bit later. I'd just like to go back uh, for a minute to what it was that started me on the topic in the first place, which is a very unusual medical condition called Cotard delusion or walking corpse syndrome. The first recorded case was from 1788 and recorded by French naturalist and philosophical writer Charles Bonnet. His report tells of a woman who'd had an unfortunate accident that left her temporarily paralysed on one side. She recovered physically, but appeared to be under the delusion that she had died. Mm. She was distressed that she hadn't yet been given a funeral service and convinced her maid to dress her for her own wake. She fussed over her shroud until she fell asleep and was put into bed. 
She was apparently cured after a treatment of opium, but other sufferers have not been so fortunate. The disorder was given its name in 1880 when a French neurologist, Jules Cotard, came across a patient who insisted she had no brain, nerves, stomach or intestines. Mm. When Cotard told her that this was scientifically impossible, she revealed her belief that she was a corpse, albeit one who could walk and talk and function quite well in, as she saw it, a rotting body. Cotard was unable to save the woman, who shortly died of starvation, claiming that a corpse had no need of food. One of the more recent cases of Cotard syndrome, a man only identified as Graham, was interviewed in the New Scientist publication in 2013. While in the grip of severe depression, Graham had attempted to take his own life. He survived, but he was firmly convinced that his brain had not. In Graham's own words, it's really hard to explain. I just felt like my brain didn't exist anymore. I kept on telling the doctors that the tablets weren't going to do me any good because I didn't have a brain. I'd fried it in the bath. Hmm. Now, a lot of people who suffer from depression describe themselves as sometimes feeling like the walking dead. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of that. Yeah. But in Graham's case, he truly believed he was the walking dead. Doctors took a PET scan of Graham's brain and found something astonishing. And I'll directly quote from you scientists here because I'm not um, a medical expert. Um, and they said metabolic activity across large areas of the frontal and parietal brain regions was so low that it resembled that of someone in a vegetative state. Wow. Graham would wander through the local graveyard until police came to take him home. He wanted to be close to the dead. His teeth turned black. Graham and his doctors did manage to turn things around and he slowly returned to near normal with the help of medication and therapy. So do you think that it, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Do you think that his uh, feelings and belief that he was the walking dead uh, affected the frontal lobe activity? Or do you think there was actually something wrong with his um, brain that affected his mindset? Um, well, I think um, that Cotard syndrome does have something to do with neurons misfiring. Um, it's not really clear what the exact cause is, but people who do suffer from it often do have mental illnesses like um, depression, sometimes schizophrenia, or sometimes they've, it's after an accident. Okay. Yeah. So there does, it all seems to be connected. 
All right, so this is not the only instance of a medical issue colliding with zombie folklore. Elizabeth Outker, the author of Viral Modernism, The Influenza Pandemic and Interwar Literature, suggests that the Spanish flu of 1918 may have been the breeding ground for the proto-zombie of Western popular culture. In her essay for the conversation, Outker writes, a different strain of zombie-like creatures emerged in the work of horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. These zombies anticipate the ones George Romero would later depict in the films like Night of the Living Dead. Bloody, lurching, dishevelled corpses intent on infecting the living and hungry for human flesh. A perfect incubator for these viral zombies were the grisly experiences of the influenza pandemic brought into every community. Ah, uh, yeah, interesting. Such a good observation. I, I really, really liked this same by Elizabeth Outland. Same, same. Mm. Indeed, the horror stories of every generation reflect, reflect the deeper communal fears of their society. And Heidi, you and I discuss this all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's not difficult to see how, they, how the piled up corpses and families forced to dig their own graves could lead to nightmarish fantasies of reanimated loved ones in a world full of carnage. Lovecraft also was inspired by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which was, of course, the mother of literary reanimated corpses. So I don't know about you, Heidi, but at the moment, I mean, we're not directly dealing with bodies and, and, and the trauma that other people are dealing with, but I have mm. noticed that definitely my dreams and a lot of uh, the way I'm viewing a lot of things is definitely very different to what oh, was yes. last year. Oh, yes. And, you know, even your connection with other people. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're, we're seeing other people differently. I mean, um, at, the, at the very beginning, we started to see other people as a threat, you know, I'd be walking Jumping around away. the supermarket. Yeah. I'd be walking around the supermarket, kind of looking at people like, "Don't come near me! Don't come near yeah. me!" And I can really, you know, you can really see where these um, sort of ideas of people as monsters, people who can infect you, you can see how how oh yeah, this stems from something very very real in the human psyche. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I have found this particular um, unfortunate world event really interesting uh, in revisiting uh, previous plagues and pandemics mm. and having a, a slightly different understanding of how society emotionally sort of navigated it and, and how just how much it influenced society. So we're talking, if we're talking about 1918, it was just post the war. So it really dealt with an incredible, you know, um, three years of, three, four years of horror, mm -hmm. um, already depleted, depressed, which wiped out so many of, you know, the, the men folk. And then to have this pandemic on top of it, I, I can't fathom how that could, um, a change and create this whole new uh, social um, law legend um, idea. Yeah. Yeah. So what type of monsters do you think you're going to come out of 2020? Oh, oh I don't know. Well, I think whatever, it's going to be something where there's a catching element to it. 
Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And I tell you what, if anyone thinks that they're clever by writing, trying to write a novel called Love in the Time of Coronavirus <laughs> or Love in the Time of COVID-19, seriously, I, guys, don't do it. I swear, I, I know this. I'm not psychic, but I know that there are about 50,000 people out there in the world, probably more, who think that this is an original idea and it's not. <laughs> it's not. Well, I actually have to horrify you here, Heidi, and let you know that one of the health organisations, health bodies, I I don't know which one, actually released a guide on how to have hookups during the pandemic. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I read a bit of it, and it includes things like, you know, have an erotic experience no, at a window, (laughs) pressed up against the window. window. It advised against kissing and sort of certain positions that may be more beneficial I I just I I just love the window idea because I mean that could entertain the entire neighborhood (laughs) that's just brilliant sharing the love who needs to be like the Italians and and singing beautifully on a veranda you could be like doing a strip tease at your window it's great Great stuff. Oh, uh, <laughs> Heidi, I, th- I think um, we're talking a bit more of the contact with the window from what I read. Oh, dear. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. look, I'm, yeah, all right. So you can need to clean your windows after this, I think. Yeah. All right, let's 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 move on. <coughs> <laughs> all right. So Hollywood eagerly took on a lot of the imagery created by Lovecraft. Unfortunately, they also took on his blatant racism as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with Lovecraft. It's yes. Sometimes hard to enjoy him now because of that. Yeah. So movies of the 1930s and 40s, such as White Zombie, Revenge of the Zombies, and I Walked with a Zombie, took on Haitian folklore, but with heavily racist stereotypes, even inventing tropes about the voodoo religion that made it look sinister and menacing. And when... that, yeah, and that actual uh, perception of voodoo really does cling to this day. Yes, it does. When it's a religion, it's 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 not a scary thing. It's no scarier than any other religion. Other religions, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so these movies portrayed their white protagonists as <laughs> civilised humans escaping from a savage other who threatened to overturn imperialistic structures. Haitian folklore then all but disappeared from zombie literature and film. By the 60s, zombies were a fixture in an apocalyptic setting. Romero's Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead were critiques of Western consumerism with much of the action taking place in the shopping mall. Night of the Living Dead focused on race relations with an African-American protagonist who is brutally murdered at the end in spite of his heroism. Zombies could stand in as a metaphor for the collective fears of war, conscription and the unrelenting materialism of the American dream. The zombie could be the fear of losing one's individuality, of mindlessly being pushed along in the tide of world events. 
The cliches of this particular monster have become slapstick. The grey makeup, the outstretched arms, the <laughs> cry of brains, brains. Brains. Contemporary filmmakers have had to make their zombies sleeker and less predictable. Brilliant 28 Days Later. The zombies are not shambling, oh. decomposing corpses, but infected humans who retain their physical appearance and have increased speed and strength. These zombies have been infected by the rage virus. I think we know a bit about the rage virus, Becky. <laughs> Do you think we might have a little bit of the rage virus lately? Look, it's, as I was saying the other day, I mean, anybody who is even close to being a good human is kind of infected by the rage virus, you know, um, because, you know, injustices happen and things happen in the world and it just makes you incredibly angry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is not the virus that these zombies are of course suffering from, but that's our own particular rage virus. No, but if we, if we look at the theme of zombies as taking on a sociological, um, the societal aspect, sorry, a societal yeah. aspect, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about, about monsters is they, they can mutate into whatever fears and whatever, yes, whatever things are on your mind at that moment. Yeah. So, you know, movies like 28 Days Later brings together our fears about the changing climate and disease. The thing that we need to remember about monster movies is that we are the monsters. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the writers seem to be acknowledging this by humanising zombies and making them more relatable. So the girl with... All the Gifts by M.R. Carey, made into a movie a few years ago, centres around a little girl called Melanie, who is the victim of a fungal disease that has made her and countless others zombified. The central relationship in the movie is the mother-daughter bond between Melanie and her teacher. The 2013 film, Warm Bodies, even introduced the idea of romance between zombies and humans. While the monsters and stories have historically been about the other, Contemporary storytelling seems to be making the clear argument that the monster is our own reflection. And if we are the monster, aren't we also worthy of love? Mm. So, Becky, have there ever been any novels or movies or TV series that uh, feature any kind of monster or any kind of supernatural activity that makes you think, ah, I know what that is. I know what that's reflecting. Well, tw- 28 Days series for sure. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing that about the 28 Days series that particularly disturbed me is that most of the zombie movies I've watched, and I, I, do, I do enjoy the zombie apocalypse genre, well, I used to. Yeah. Um, pandemic, maybe not so much. Um, but uh, one of the things that really struck me about the 28 Days uh, series, uh, the series of movies, is... It was so realistic, so realistic. It wasn't just me watching a silly zombie movie. It was real. And the parallels I could draw in society on so many levels really 
killed me and quite deeply, you know, affected me. And and I think it was the absence of makeup, you know, apart from the fact that they yes. like they have nosebleeds yes. and whatever. Yeah. Apart from that, the fact that they they just look human. And it's that that pure rage that is yeah. uh, is what's so terrifying in the movie is something we identify either in ourselves or in the threat that we perceive that sorry the very real threat that we face for example that perhaps that internal hating racist rage yeah that exists in some police force members when they're dealing with just a traffic violation by an african-american man oh yes yes that 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 um the overreaction that the oh it, it, i can't talk about because it, it actually does chill me and frightens me yeah. a lot yeah. When someone suddenly turns angry, it's actually a bit of my Achilles heel and I don't cope well with it. Do you know, I don't cope that well with anger either. And that yeah. might be one of the reasons why why zombies until quite recently haven't been something that I've, I've looked into that much. I was always a fan of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, and But, you know, apart from that, you know, I hadn't... I'd always been more into vampires. And by vampires, I don't oh, really? mean Twilight. <laughs> I, I do not mean Twilight. I'm glad Twilight to hear that. Reflects, yeah. <laughs> Twilight reflects nothing, okay? <laughs> Twilight is just empty. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Twilight is the zombie of vampire movies. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is. It is the shallow husk. Mm-hmm. After all of the substance of vampire has been drained, been sucked out. That's it. But um, a um, a novel and a movie that I really love and have have loved for years. Um, it's actually by the Swedish horror writer. Now, <laughs> saying his name. Uh, You're going to your bookcase right now, aren't you, Heidi? Can you hear me going to my bookcase? <laughs> I shouldn't have rolled you. I'm sorry. Oh I should have covered gosh. you for you. But that's uh, what happens when you reveal to the world that I've been watching the Kardashians, okay? <laughs> no, okay, all so niceties the... are off now. Okay, okay. So the Swedish horror novelist John Lindquist Arjani. Oh, I'm going to have to I've look heard that up. The name, but I haven't read any of the work. He's great. He really is wonderful, and he did write a really, really good zombie book. Actually, that's another zombie book that I actually quite liked. Um, but he wrote a vampire novel called Let the Right One In, and it was made into a movie. Which I was, was about made... to say, that's bit... Let Me In? That's the American version. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've only seen the Swedish the original Swedish one, which is Yes, see, I'm not going to go there because Swedish movies or any of those Nordic ones are really scary. It is amazing. And uh, so, okay, for anybody who's not familiar with that story, it's set in the 80s. And I I believe it was actually written in the 80s as well. And um, so in this book, vampirism has really, really strong parallels with uh, with AIDS, with HIV, 
at the time when uh oh my god it does too yeah at the time when people didn't know enough about it um you know Uh in in those early days the 80s when people you know were scared of touching somebody with AIDS or sharing a house with them or using the same cutlery and so it kind of draws on those fears of being infected with something and feeling that you have to then isolate yourself um, in order to protect the people that you love. Wow. And um, there's also um, a theme of child abuse and um, there's also the parallel with vampirism and um, sort of generational child abuse, um, you know, where somebody becomes abused and there is the possibility of them passing that behavior on so you know when it's actually a a really really powerful book um if you're looking for a really good horror novel let the right one in it's great okay i'm just thinking of another historical parallel now if you think about the rise of alien belief beliefs in aliens and ufos yeah that happened after world war ii and if you think yes. about the horror in the skies, the threat from the skies. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, tra- I'm, I'm literally going through a timeline in my brain now throughout history and when, when... okay, so yes, and look at um, spiritualism and when that came about, look at, oh, Heidi. Mm. This is going to be an ongoing obsession, isn't it's it? It's totally going to be an ongoing obsession. And, so there you go. And, and so Bela Lugosi, uh, the actor who played Dracula for years and years, said that the reason why women were so attracted to Count Dracula was because of all the blood, because it, it kind of represented, um, you know, the dangers of childbirth. <laughs> and um, I don't know. See, I would have gone for extreme hickey theory. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know why we would find that attractive because quite honestly well, that hickeys are nice but you know that that was his idea you know you say well, the blood it's all about the childbirth that's why women love I it i don't know so about there. i don't know about that i think more about the erogenous zone that is the neck mm. and that's probably why it's quite alluring i i would say much more so much more so. much more so <laughs> Oh, dear. So there you go. Next time you're watching one of your relatively simple zombie movies or vampire movies or UFO movies or anything of that genre, look deeper. Yeah. Always look deeper. Yeah, well, yeah, but some people look a bit too deep, Heidi, i.e. you and I. True. (laughs) And that's probably why occasionally we need a hit of trash. Ninety Day Fiance and the Kardashians. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's let's have like an a truce <laughs> where we don't give each other a hard time. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will no longer give you a hard time for Ninety Day Fiance, and I did deserve all of that. Yeah. I deserve what I experienced this morning. My zombie Kardashian spell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I will leave you there. I hope that you guys have lovely sweet dreams tonight. That would be nice. Sweet dreams would be very, very nice for all of us. Yeah, because God knows my sleeping patterns have not been good. Oh, mine have been awful. And my nightmares are just, 
incomprehensible. Yes. My gosh. Because you know Mine are all... you know how I talk about my cinematic dreams? They're now just so hyper real. It's it's not Yeah. It's not even yeah. funny. Yeah. Same. Mine are just so horrific and, and sociologically horrific. Yeah. I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. All right, everybody, please take good care of yourself. Watch out for zombies and vampires, and we will see you next week. Farewell. Good night. Thanks for listening. You can join the discussion on our Obsession Facebook page. And if you are enjoying our podcast, maybe subscribe and leave us a review. And why not tell your friends and let's all get obsessed. Bye. Bye.